0: Good morning. Thanks for being with us today. My name's John Ireland. You were given a program uh, as you walked in. Let me begin. Verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. And then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was Nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped. And he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you and instantly, The man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Last week, we looked at this passage, and we looked at it through the eyes of Bartimaeus, and we discovered that breakthroughs and healing can happen when we become vulnerable. We talked about the power of vulnerability when we take risks, when we cry out for help, when we let the walls come down. We reminded ourselves where did this take place jericho that's the place where enemies are defeated victories are won walls come down and that's our heart our desire our vision for our gatherings on sunday morning that there'd be transformation there'd be breakthroughs there'd be healing in our hearts that would happen and so this morning I love how Jono said, God's up to something. God's going to move when we come into this place. It's not, all right, I went to church, checked the box. I mean, maybe maybe that's how you came in. We don't want you leaving that way. We, We want you leaving having experienced the unfailing love of Jesus Christ, having experienced the power and the presence of God in your life. That's what we want. We want you to experience a shift in your heart. I pray every Sunday that you would walk out of this place different than when you walked in because the Lord God Almighty, the creator, the redeemer, the one who wants to be your friend, that he touches you, that he transforms you from the inside out. Every week I'm praying that. And this morning, I'm I'm, I'm so excited about this message this morning. I want This morning, we're looking at the exact same passage from last week, but this week we're looking at it from and through the perspective of Jesus. It's a way to read the Scriptures. It's a a way to read the Gospels. When you read the story of Jesus, just start asking yourself, what does this tell me about what he was like? What kind of a person was he? He was fully human and fully God. Oftentimes we just think he was just God, but he was also fully human, like you, like me. And sometimes when you read the Bible, you also identify with the characters in the story, with their hurts their needs whatever it is they're going through and we connect that way and that's what we dealt with last week the power of vulnerability bartimaeus crying out letting jesus letting those around him into his deep pain into his struggle to see and being blind so this morning as you think about Bartimaeus this morning, here's, what, here, here's just what I want you to think about. I want you to think about him in relationship to Jesus because we're going to look at it through the eyes of Jesus. Think of Bartimaeus as, for you today, he's like the people in your life that are most important to you. The people in your life that Jesus brings right across your path, that intersect, your life intersects with them. So that could be, if you're married, your, your husband or your wife. It could be your children, your kids. Uh, it could be your parents, your aging parents. If you're a grandparent, it could be your grandkids. It could be the people you work with in your workplace, the people you see every day. It could be that, that today God's going to speak to you because he wants to use you in the workplace. It could be your small group. But I want you to think about who's my friend circle, my family circle? Who are my most important relationships? Filter it this way. Here's a couple of insights before we actually really jump in. And Here's what I wrote in my notes. Today, you may not be what you want to be or where you want to be, but it's never too late to become who you want to be and who God wants you to be. God wants you to become more like Jesus. That's the Christian faith. That we are becoming, big word there, becoming. That's what the Christian faith is all about, becoming. That's a discipleship word, becoming. I am becoming more like Jesus. I want to become more like Jesus. Today, we're going to we're going to look at why but participation attracts the presence and the power of God. Participation attracts the presence and the power of God. We see that in this story. As Jesus participates, the power of God is released through him to transform a blind man. And as he he leans in to help this hurting person, the power of God is released through him. And so let me ask you a question as we start. Are you ready to to begin living beyond yourself? Not for yourself, beyond yourself. That's what we're going to learn. That's what we're going to discover. That's what we're going to kind of sink our teeth into this morning. That I want to one day look back and I don't want to be thinking what God could have done or would have done. If I would have said, yes, God, use me. I, I want to I look back and go, look at how God worked in my life. And then look at what God did through my life. How does that happen for you? How does that happen for me? It all starts when we say, yes. Yes, God, use me. Yes, God, work through me to touch the people closest to me. To care for, to love the people that you bring right in my path on a daily basis. That's what I want you to think about this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says this. The Spirit of God that rose Jesus from the dead lives where? What's it say? In you. Say, in me. In me. The Spirit of God that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. Why? What's he want to do? Have you ever thought about that? Why did God place his spirit in you when you chose to believe? The Bible says his spirit comes to dwell in you, to reside in you. Have you ever thought about why? What is God's agenda? What is it that God wants to do? Why would God place the spirit of Jesus inside of you? It's because he wants to work in you making you more like Jesus, which also leads us to say he also wants to work through you to love everyone always. But especially today, I want you to focus on those closest to you. So let's jump in. And uh, here's how I, I, sometimes when I'm, I'm preparing a message, I turn things upside down and uh, and it just helps me think about a passage differently. So before we talk about why did people run to Jesus rather than away from Jesus? why was Jesus a safe person? I'm going this is what I put in my notes, how do I block God's work in me? How, how, how to block God's work through you? And the answer is become or be an unsafe person. Be an unsafe person. I'm going to give you a, Uh, Five, a little checklist. Maybe the question for you as I'm talking is, am I an unsafe person? What is an unsafe person? Here we go. Five things. Unsafe people, and by the way, I need to give credit. This comes from the writings of uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend. They wrote a book called Safe People. Um, So I'm poaching from them. I want to make sure I give credit. So number one, unsafe people are unwilling to engage in self-scrutiny. They're unwilling to self-reflect, to look inside of themselves and work on unhealthy behavior. I was sharing uh, this morning, I'm I'm pruning the message. I'm not writing the message, I'm pruning it. I always have way too much this morning. I was with Natalie and and our daughter Shannon came over, we were having a cup of coffee and um, we were talking about life and being a safe person and, and I, I said to Shannon, I was a safe dad, wasn't I? She was like, yeah, except for that time when I was four years old and, and uh, I wanted to carry the pizza in the house, and I begged you to do it, and you finally said yes, and I took two steps, and I dropped the pizza, and it flipped upside down and fell out of the box, and you lost it. <laughs> and it scarred me for life, Dad. Ha! Could you imagine, man, yelling at your three or four-year-old? Why did you, I told you I shouldn't have given you that pizza? And so here's here's we all have, we all have weak. My wife's laughing over here. <laughs> we all have weak moments. Safe people are willing to undergo this kind of self-scrutiny. Why did I overreact? What happened inside of me that I'd start yelling at my three-year-old because she dropped the pizza, right? Unsafe people blame the kid. Unsafe people make excuses. So, number one, unsafe people are unwilling to engage in self-scrutiny. Number two, unsafe people are unwilling to receive feedback. Henry Cloud and Townsend say an unsafe person they power up they get angry they blame others they become defensive they make excuses when their listen to this is a quote when their facade of perfection is stripped away meaning they're found out that they're not perfect which by the way spoiler alert Nobody in this room is perfect. But unsafe people, when their facade is stripped away, they blow up or they disappear. They blow up. They get angry and make it about, whoa, now it's about me. It's my fault. That's what happens with unsafe people. They make it your fault rather than owning. They're unwilling to receive feedback. One of the marks of a truly safe person, according to Townsend and Cloud. They are confrontable. They want, they desire feedback. If it feels unsafe to confront you, to bring something up, if it's not okay to disagree with you without being punished or without you pouting or without you blowing up, you're an unsafe person if your family's walking on eggshells around you because of your temper, because of how you might overreact if they they give you some feedback, you're an unsafe person. Number three, unsafe people mistreat you when you are vulnerable, when you let them in. This series is titled Letting Others In. And when you take that risk, and you're vulnerable and you share a struggle, a weakness, a failure, a hurt, unsafe people judge you. Unsafe people condemn you. Unsafe people use you. Unsafe people take a morally superior position. How could you? If you've been around this church for more than 10 years, some of you remember the infamous Christmas Eve When I wasn't at my best, and I was actually going through a a, a mild depression, I couldn't snap out of it. I couldn't bounce back, and I was feeling and facing some burnout, And, and just in a moment like up here on the platform, I shared that, and I had a man come up to me after the Christmas Eve service and yelled at me, what's wrong with you? Why are you ruining all of our Christmas Eve? You ruined everybody's Christmas Eve tonight. Sharing that you're struggling with depression? Why would you ever share that you're struggling? Wow. I said, "God bless you, bro." <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, that that kind of interchange makes people in my position go, mm, "Done. Not sharing anymore." Not gonna let you into my life, not gonna share stories that, that 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 show you that I'm human too. And that was in a large audience. That's in front of a thousand people, but what about in front of one person? When someone's vulnerable, when someone lets you in, when someone shares a sin, a signature sin, man, I'm just struggling. How do they experience you? Unsafe people, they mistreat you when you're vulnerable. Number four, unsafe people are unwilling to respect and accept my no or your no. Meaning when you say, yeah, no, I can't do it. Hey, hey I'm, I'm, ha- I'm having a, my birthday party. I hope you can come. Yeah, no, I can't make it. What? I thought we were friends. You're not my friend. You're not coming. Like all of a sudden, an unsafe person, they don't respect your boundaries. They push against, they resist your boundaries. They're manipulative. They make threats. They turn on you. They pout. They complain. They make you pay for it if you say no. Henry Nouwen says it's easier to control people than to love people. tell you another story. 18 years ago in this church, hmm, all of a sudden I'm going, maybe I shouldn't share that story. You know what really concerns me? It concerns me when people in our church go into business together. Because the stakes are high and misunderstandings happen. And about 18 years ago, there was a couple of guys that went into business. A guy was starting a business, and one of the guys promised him he'd, he'd invest in it. 100 grand, a lot of money. And uh, the guy who was on the receiving end of the 100 grand uh, needed the money really bad, and the guy wasn't giving it to him yet. So he came to me. You're the shepherd of this flock. This guy owes me 100 grand. You need to get that for me. That's your responsibility. You're the pastor. You're the shepherd. You need to go talk to that guy and get me my money. You want my job? (laughs) So here's here's what he said. He said, look, if you get me that money, I'm going to give you, and Chuck was with us. Some of you remember Chuck. I'm going to give you guys each a half a point of my business, which is worth fifty grand each. And so I ended up meeting with this guy at Montecito Starbucks. I can't go into Montecito Starbucks without thinking of this incident. And I went in, and I, and, and I said to him, hey, you know, you, this guy is coming to my office every day. You got the money yet? You got the money yet? And just harassing me. So I met him at Starbucks and I said, "Look, I f- I found a solution. The 100 grand that this guy said he's going to pay you. You said you're going to give me and Chuck each 50 grand. Cancel. You don't know you're not you don't need to give me 50 grand. You don't need to give Chuck 50 grand. Consider that debt paid." <laughs> How do you think that went over? <laughs> Probably 50 people in Starbucks in that moment. You effing... Papa, you, you're not a pastor. You don't know how to walk with men, screaming and cussing me out. I walked out of that Starbucks. I mean, I saw I sobbed. I called Dean Givens. Some of you guys know Dean, he's a therapist in town. I was like, dude, I'm I'm not okay. I I I need you to come to my house like right now. I need help. I just got abused by an unsafe person. Unsafe people are unwilling to respect your boundaries when you say no. No, it's not my job to get you that money. No, it's not my job to figure out your life, to rescue you to whatever it is. And they push back on your boundary. They don't respect you. They don't respect it when you say no. That's being an unsafe person. It's easier to control people than to love people, which means you want their best. And then number five, unsafe people demand trust instead of earning it. Unsafe people demand trust instead of earning it. Unsafe people believe that you should trust them right away and they act hurt or defensive if you don't. And so you hear things like this, so you don't trust me? Are you questioning my integrity? You don't believe me? So there's this defensiveness. There's this anger because someone questions them. Do you get angry and defensive when somebody questions you? Why? None of us, none of us is above questioning. Help me understand what happened to that money. You don't think I have integrity? Why are you, right? Anger, defensiveness, that's an unsafe person. And so now let's flip it into the gospel passage. What made Jesus a safe person? Why did people run toward Jesus and not away from him? My first thought was, well, he was powerful, man. He healed people. Not all powerful people are safe. In fact, many powerful people abuse their power, use their power to manipulate, to control, right? And so, why did people run towards Jesus? Here, here, here are the thoughts. In your notes, there's some fill ins if you want them. Number one, Jesus is busy, but willing to be interrupted to help the one crying out for help. Did you notice in verse 46? It says, as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. He was surrounded by people who needed him, people who wanted his time, wanted a piece of him, wanted them to do something for him. Noisy, crowded, busy, on the move, literally to save the world, yet he stops to hear and to help the one hurting person. Who's crying out for help in your family, in your home, in your workplace, in your small group? Can you hear them? Are you willing to be interrupted? Or maybe you're too busy, too hurried. You come late to your small group and you leave early and you miss out on the good stuff that happens. Too hurried, too busy. It's hard to love people in a hurry. It's hard to be a good listener in a hurry. Jesus was busy, but he was willing to be interrupted. Let me jump to number two because it's similar. Jesus stopped when he heard the persistent cry. Verse 48, it says that Bartimaeus shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then the next two words, Jesus stopped. When the people that you love most are crying out for help, when they share their deep pain, remember, Bartimaeus was a blind man, he was an outcast, he was a beggar, he was lonely. And he's crying out for help, basically going public with his deep hurt and pain. When people get vulnerable with you, and you don't stop, how do you think that makes them feel? When people closest to you cry out for help with their hurt, with their struggle, when they get transparent, when they get real, when they let you in. And you don't stop to listen, to care, to respond. Connect the dots. They will feel unloved. They will feel unimportant. They will feel, you fill in the blank, right? Right? I, I, I got so many stories, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. Number three, number three, Jesus is full of compassion, not condemnation. That's what makes him a safe person. You know, think about that culture in the first century. We, we learn from John chapter 9, there's an interaction, and somebody comes to Jesus around a blind man. Do You remember the question? Who sinned? This blind man or his parents? See, the accusation, the connection culturally was, if you're blind, there's a reason you're blind. Dude, you're blind, you got a secret sin that you're not coming clean about. And you know, Jesus could have gone there. He could have been filled with condemnation. He could have said, sorry, dude, you have this coming to you. You deserve to be blind because you're a sinner because of those choices you made. You're hiding something. But that's not how Jesus responds. He's full of compassion, care, grace, love, concern. He sees and he hears that this guy is hurting. And he responds with compassion, like the prodigal son and the father. The father runs to that son. That's what we see right here. So here's my question for you. When people come to you, do they experience compassion or condemnation when they share a struggle, when they share their signature sin, when they're vulnerable, when they share uh, share an ouch a hurt? Do you just try and fix them? Do you condemn them? Do they walk away from interactions with me and with you feeling strengthened and encouraged or defeated and discouraged? Most of you know that I love to take uh, people, mostly men, away on trips. And A few months ago, I took a group on a river raft trip and we read a book called Kill the Spider before we went on this trip and the, the basically Kill the Spider is about we have cobwebs in our lives that are that are issues and we 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 dust off or we get rid of the cobwebs but guess what happens those cobwebs come back and those are the symptoms of a deeper issue you got to you got to find the spider in your life and you got to kill the spider that's creating those issues, those secrets in your life. You got to kill the spider. And on this trip, it's always so powerful for me when men decide to go there, when men decide to let other men into their life, when men decide to say, This is what's really going on with me. And I got to tell you, it is so powerful to see other men. Just come around a guy that shares transparently, not with condemnation, not with, you know, pointing the finger. It's never been that way. Anytime when I'm leading these groups, I always see other men. You you think they might jump on a guy and pile on when a guy's hurt. It's not. It's always with compassion. And there's always a little whisper, me too. Me too. But you had the courage to share me too, right? Right. That's the spirit of Jesus, full of compassion, not condemnation. And then here's my last point. Jesus wants more for Bartimaeus, not from him. Jesus wants more for him than he wants from him. Verse 51 Jesus says, This guy comes to him, I want to, you know, crying out. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. What does Jesus say? What do you want me to do? What's the word? For you. Do you notice that Jesus doesn't say, okay, well, hold on. i got to interview you first. Are you, are you giving money to my ministry? Or are you part of my support team here? Are you willing to serve on the deacon board here before I help you out? Uh hey wait, let's let's do a background check on you to make sure that you've been in church at least 50 Sundays a year. Then maybe I'm gonna help you. What do we see here? He doesn't ask any of that. He wants more for you than from you. Some of you that's that's Uh, you need to make a shift and you're thinking, oh, God just wants something from me all the time. The church just wants something. It's not true. You look at Jesus, he wants more for you. If you've not trusted Christ, if you've not put your faith in him, he wants more for you than from you. He sees who you can become. He sees your potential. He sees the best version of you and he's committed to helping you become that person. Just like Bartimaeus. So here's my question. When people see and feel from you that you want something for them more than something from them, do you think they're going to run from you or towards you? We're to become like Jesus. I want everybody in this room. I have a dream for your life. I really do. That people would be running toward you, not from you, because you're a safe person. I'm going to invite the band to come up right now. We're going to give a chance for you to respond. Who in this room doesn't want to become a safe person? Raise your hand if you're going, I don't want to be a safe person. I actually, let's go through that list. I don't want... I'm unwilling to engage in self-scrutiny. Hey, no feedback. It's not allowed. Family, friends, anybody, no feedback. I'm unwilling. Mistreating people when they are transparent. That's who I want to be. I want to pile on when someone's vulnerable. I want to condemn them. No. Unsafe people, unwilling to respect. Oh uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to. See, don't we want to be that person? Don't we want to be that family member, that friend? So here's what we're going to do. You know how we get to the end of the sermons, the messages, and we, it's just not enough to go, scale of one to ten, Ireland, I give them a three and a half today, you know, and you go out to lunch and you forget about what we talked about. You've missed the point. Today is about responding. I want my wife. I want Natalie Ireland to feel like I'm a safe person, that she could give me feedback, that she can disagree with me, that she knows if she's crying out for help, that she's sharing her deep pain in my life, that I'm not like, oh, go see a counselor, I'm too busy helping the rest of the church, but that I'll be there for her, that I'll respond with compassion, not condemnation, when she lets me into her life or my daughter, Shannon, or her husband, Garrett, or my family, my inner circle of closest friends. I want them to know that if they're gonna let me in, that I'm gonna be a safe person, that they're gonna get grace, not finger pointing, that they're gonna get compassion, not I told you so, that they're gonna get maybe not a high five for their sin, but they're gonna get a hug, and say, I I love you, and I'm with you, and I'm standing with you. I'm not high-fiving you because of those choices, but I'm sticking with you. Who doesn't want to be that kind of person? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite our prayer team up. In the Bible, people were anointed with oil. I wrote it down in my notes here. People were anointed with oil to be set apart that they'd receive God's special attention, like, like I really, I'm dedicating myself to God. There's a kind of intensity or an intensifying of prayer. So here's the deal today, it takes participation. It takes participation to attract, to unleash the power of God, the presence of God. If you're a person in here and you wanna become that person, you might be going, I, I, I'm not. Or maybe you are, but you want to, I actually want a commissioning. I wanna be that person that my family runs to, not runs from. That they feel safe with me, not walking on eggshells around me. If you wanna be that person, your roommates, your coworkers at work, they come to you and they confide in you. They let you in on their struggles they let you in on their inadequacy their insecurities if you want to be that kind of person then you're invited to come and receive an anointing of oil a commissioning of God's gonna send you out of here today with a mission in your life to be that kind of loving person compassionate person caring person safe person you're invited to get up out of your seats and come forward and receive a prayer and an anointing of oil that you're saying, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be more like Jesus Christ. I want to be that guy. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing. And then for those of you that want a prayer of anointing, you want to be that kind of person that's safe, then you come and let us pray for you. Father, I pray over every heart in this room. I pray that the, the word of God that we've looked at this morning, oh my goodness, I'm praying that, it, that the work of God would happen, that the spirit of God would be unleashed in this place, that you'd fill us with faith this morning, that we might come open saying, I'm not who I want to be right now. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not what I want to be. But today that changes. I, I want to be who God wants me to be. I want to be that loving, caring, compassionate, listening presence. And so God, I pray that over every heart in this room. Have your way in us right now. Do that healing work. Give us enough honesty in our hearts to own our own crap. And to be willing to say, today that changes. Today I'm moving to become a new person to honor Christ and to become more like Jesus in my home, at my work, and in my friendships. In Jesus' name, everybody said, when you're ready, you come for an anointing. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.